Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all well. I am, we've, my wife and I have just come back from a, a week in Kent. Uh, what did I say? Kent. We were at a place called Chillum, and we were chilling in Chillum. And we had a wonderful time there, and uh, the weather wasn't great, but it didn't matter. We, you know, we were away. So I come back somewhat refreshed and ready for action. And, you know, Chris and Fliss, as you know, they're still cruising through France. You know, with the wind blowing through, blowing through his hair and in his TR6, you know, 2.5, uh, I think, straight six. Any of those of you who know about engines and enjoying himself out there. However, we are here. <laughs> Amen. And we're going to continue with this uh, series that Chris started maybe two weeks ago on the blessing. And the key, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I'm just looking at my notes. I'm thinking, I'm on page two already, but I haven't started. <laughs> That's more like it. And as you know, Chris started with Genesis chapter 12, and we looked at uh, Abraham or Abraham. The, in fact, that blessing is the first theocratic blessing in the Bible. And the, the great thing about that blessing is God says, I will bless Abraham, which means it wasn't dependent on Abraham fulfilling the rules. It was God's determination that whatever Abraham did, he was going to bless him. And that has import for us because, you see, we are under the blessing of Abraham. So God has a determination to bless us because of our connection with Abraham. And then, and thank you. And one of the interesting things here that Chris pointed out to us was that, you know, faith activates the blessing. It, but the blessing doesn't guarantee that you're never going to have any problems in your life. And if you look at the life of Abraham, you see that he has some ups and downs. In fact, God blesses him with that blessing in chapter 12 of Genesis. And then verse 10, it says, there was a famine in the land. You can read it yourself. And it says that Abraham, man of faith, who was going to be blessed, he went down to Egypt. And when he went down to Egypt, he got in a whole load of trouble because he was afraid. And he says to his wife, tell Pharaoh, I think it was Pharaoh, that you are my sister, that it might go well with me and they might not kill me. I don't think so. So what you're saying is that you want your wife to lie so that you will be safe. Is this not the Abraham who God said, I will bless you and whoever curses you will curse you? So things didn't go well and he got in a whole heap of trouble down there. And then God came to Pharaoh in the night and said, you touch that woman, you're dead. And Pharaoh rushes Abraham and says, why did you lie to me? This is your wife. Now go and pray for me. So what we're seeing is that the blessing, yes, is activated, but just because you're blessed doesn't mean you don't have any problems in your life. And if you read the Abraham's story there, when he gets to chapter 22, he's at the pinnacle of his faith and God asks him to give his son, etc., etc. Read it there. Then last week, Chris took us to the Aaronic blessing, Numbers 6, 4, 26, and he mentioned six, six Ps. Well, he actually five, but he actually preached six. Well, I'll tell you that because I gave him one. <laughs> 
He talked about God's presence, God's power, God's pleasure, God's provision, God's protection, and God's peace. And if you weren't here, where were you? Get the seeds, listen to the podcast, and, and you can pick that up. That was a great message. And the first message, which I wasn't here for, but I listened to that. That was also a great message, particularly the breaking of curses off of people's lives, things that people have lived under. Now, today... We're going to consider the comprehensive nature of the blessings. Uh, the title of this message, as you can see, is Aspects of Blessing. You know something? The blessing isn't just for when you're in church or when you're amongst the community. It's meant to touch every aspect of our lives. We're going to go down to Deuteronomy 28, and let me just give you the background. The children of Israel were emancipated, set free from slavery in Egypt, and God sent Moses, and he led them out, and maybe a million to three million people left Egypt with the goal to get to the promised land, and it should have taken seven days, but it didn't. The people grumbled, the people worshipped other idols, the people actually were a rabble. So in the end, God had to actually disinherit that whole generation. They came to numbers to go into the land, and they sent in 10 spies, and the spies sent for two sent back. Eight of them sent a bad report about the land, and in the end, God said, that's it, you're not going in. For the next 40 years, you're going to know my opposition, and that generation died in the wilderness. So when we get to Deuteronomy 28 now, this is a brand new generation. Moses knew their parents. Moses saw their parents die in the wilderness. So there's an awful lot of pathos as he comes to speak to them. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, he tells them first about what God did. Historical. And then what God has done. And then what God will do. So when we get here now, this is the prophetic element of the book. Before this generation goes in and Moses hands over the leadership to Joshua. So, here we are. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commandments that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the cows of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in. And you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving to you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised on oath, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by my name and they will fear you. 
The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and fully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commandments I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. So there we have the blessing. And in fact, if you read the whole chapter, there's more curses than there are blessings. And the third thing was this, that Moses knew that at some point the people would fall away. However, what I'd like to just draw to your attention is the Hebrew perspective or worldview. And the Hebrew worldview is this, that God's blessing, God's life should imbue every aspect of our lives. We read in Deuteronomy 6, 6, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you're watching the television and when you go up the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And it says here, tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. One of the things I, I have noticed, and maybe it's because of the fact that one of the roles I have is a chaplain. So I don't really actually step out a role. When I go to, to, to work, I'm working now, I, I don't change roles when I go into the business place. I'm still the same person. But what I observed is that there are some folks who... They're Christians, and when you meet them at church, they are great, and they are wonderful, and they're passionate. But when they go into the workplace, they become a different animal. You know, they become hard-nosed. You know, and you think to yourself, hold on a minute. Whew, this is a bit different. What, what's, what's the switch? Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you think, what's he going on about? They're different at work to when they're at church. And they're different at home to when they're at church. But friends, that's not, and you know where that comes from? It's the Greek worldview. There's this kind of secular world and this sacred world. That's not biblical. When you are at work, when you are at home, you're in the presence of God and the blessing operates there as much as when you're, it's hit as it does here. If you are different and you use different language and you, you, you behave in a, a way that is the opposite to how you would be at church, then you need to ask something, ask God, what's going on here? Because I've seen it. People that will come to church on Sunday and when you're sitting down, these are the same people that are, are, are criticizing other members of staff and all this kind of stuff. And you think, well, hold on a minute, you love Jesus. How is it that you're behaving like this? 
You need to come to restore. You need some help. <laughs> yes, yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. But the reality is that the blessing of God and the presence of God is for all of our lives, whatever, whatever role we happen to be in. Now, as we read the chapter, it says this. If you will fully, fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, here's the question. What is obeying his voice? You see, I come from, I suppose, traditional Christianity, evangelicalism, etc. And when I became a Christian, what I actually thought it was about was that my, now that I'm saved, my job is to keep the rules. And if I keep the rules, then the Lord will bless me. And there's an element of truth in that. But here's the funny thing. The fact was this. I couldn't keep the rules. That's why I needed to be saved or rescued. And now that I've become a follower of Jesus, I still need to be rescued. So is the blessing of God just dependent on my ability to keep the rules? Well, you know, <laughs> here's the difference. You see, when Moses spoke to the children of Israel in Exodus and gave them the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, these were external rules, which they all said that they would keep, but of course they didn't. But what we find now, those of us who are followers of Jesus, is that we have a new law, and it's written on our hearts. Because you see, God understands that we are intrinsic creatures. Maslow talked about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. God knows that we are motivated intrinsically. You say, oh, what are you talking about? Young woman, I've used it before, doesn't do anything in the house. Only, all she wants to do is keep her nails nice and polished. Her mother asks her to, to wipe up. She says, oh, I cannot do this. My nails. <laughs> you know, mother just rolls her eyes. Anyway. One day, this same young woman who will not do anything in the house because she always wants to look prim and proper, she doesn't want to involve herself in any of the domestic activities that go on within the house. One day, this same young woman comes in and she's cleaning. She wants to bake a cake. What has happened? There is a young man in her life. She is in love. <laughs> you see... God knows that the thing that changes you is what happens on the inside. When you have a reason, when you have a motivation that comes from within, you will do things that you wouldn't do. The same girl, yeah. Yeah? You know, the mum's like, I don't believe this. It's like the young man who wants to play on a football team. The guy's been out smoking and drinking. Not that I'm saying those things are wrong, but he's been living a life that's not going to prepare him for sport. He wants to play on the team so badly, the coach says, now nah, you've got to quit smoking, quit running around with women, and quit drinking if you want to play on my team. What's taken 15 years is dealt with in one month because he wants to play on the team. So 
Obeying the voice of the Lord, what's this all about? It is responding to the voice as we hear it through his word or a member of the community. It's responding to his voice. God speaks to us. And he speaks to us, yes, of course, through this word, but don't just limit it to the word. He speaks to us through other members of the community, words of knowledge. He talks to us through circumstances. God speaks. And our responsibility is to obey that voice. And what that means is that we have to stand firm on God's word, even when circumstances are telling us otherwise. And particularly, men, it's a responsibility we have to persevere and stand firm until the word that God has brought to us is birthed. Example, Joseph. I know you didn't meet him personally, but Genesis chapter 37. Jacob has 12 sons, and Joseph, as you know, is the favored one. It's wrong. It's a dysfunctional family, extremely dysfunctional, right? Anyway, Joseph has a dream, and he tells his brothers, and he mouths off at them, and they are jealous, right? So they decide to kill him, and they put him in a pit. Then they have mercy, Reuben, and they sell him into slavery down into Egypt. Now, you must be, you can imagine this now. When he's in that pit, he's thinking, did I really hear God? Was that dream really real? Was I just imagining things? Anyway, he's now in, in Pharaoh's house. Friends, when the blessing is on you, doesn't matter what circumstances come upon you. If the blessings are on you, things turn out right. So he gets down to Potiphar's house. And what do we read? It says, the Lord was with Joseph and caused him to prosper. Amen. The Lord was with him. By the way, presence of God is a sign of his blessing. Anyway, as you know, he was in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife took a fancy to him. And because he didn't respond to her advances, she you know, framed him for rape, and he's now, in the pit. he's now in the prison. And it's not like prison that we have today or what we might, be, might see in porridge, you know, Ronnie Barker. It's not comfortable. It's a pit. Anyway, he's there for about 13 years, but it says the Lord was with Joseph and caused him to prosper. And the jailer had favor on him and didn't worry about anything while Joseph was there. Then we read this summary in Psalm 105, 19 to 21 of Joseph's life. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord was testing him while he was in the pit. The word of the Lord was testing him while he was in the prison. Until the appointed time. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the peoples and set him free. And he went from the prison, from the pit to the prison, to the palace. But there was a process. A lot of peace there, I know. There was a process going on. And of course, he finally became the prime minister. But the blessing was on him. And if you read it, read from 37 through to 50. And 
You remember Jacob died, and the brothers were worried because they were thinking, maybe Joseph will take revenge on us for the wickedness that we did to him all those years ago. And they came to him with a kind of story. And Joseph just said this. He said, look, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good to bring about this present result. He understood that as he obeyed the verse of the Lord, as he went through the process, as God dealt with his attitude, God had a bigger plan to keep that remnant alive in the midst of a famine. You see, friends, the blessing, as Chris pointed out, does not guarantee that you will not have challenges, but what we have to allow is allow God's word to refine us and prepare us for the blessing. Now, we see this in the natural realm. We see someone who's done the lottery, and they win two, three million pounds, and within six or seven years, they're back to where they started. Because they were prepared for it. Let me share from my uh, own life, from my personal testimony. You know, about uh, three years ago, I had a job uh, in education, and I was dismissed from the job. And I was shocked. I thought it was unjust. I thought it was unfair. However, God spoke to me in the midst of all of this from 1 Kings 12, 15. And let me just give you the background to 1 Kings 12, 15. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, is on the throne. Solomon, towards the end of his life, has now began to worship other gods. And God pronounces judgment on him and says, your kingdom is going to be divided. So when Rehoboam comes onto the throne, Israel comes to him and says, look, guys, don't treat us like your dad did. Your dad was rough, man. He was a heavy dude. Modern vernacular I'm using here. However... If you treat us well, we'll serve you. Anyway, what happened was Jeroboam came with Israel to Rehoboam, and Rehoboam spoke to the people harshly. And then that was it. 931 BC, the kingdom divided, and 10 tribes went north with Jeroboam. And this is the word the Lord gave to me. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord has spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ajiah and Shalalai. Now, here's the point. It was the phrase, these turn of events are from the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, this, these turn of events are from me to bring about something new in my life. The days that followed were turbulent. You know, I had the support, of course, of my wife, and I had to support the family, and of course, Friends and community, they're not here this morning, but Andrew and Chrissy Mills were right there with us. And, of course, the community of God's people. And, by the way, friends, when we have trials and tests, God's intention is we do it in community. We don't have to do this alone. And I, I, was, I was supported so much by the leadership team here. It was a tough time. But the Lord spoke strongly to me through these scriptures. And in fact, two of these scriptures came while I was in the staff meeting. It wasn't me that brought them. It was Fliss actually brought them who had no idea what was going on. The first one was, trust in the Lord. 
with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I was trying to work out what to do. The second one, Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And then as we were worshipping in the staff meeting, Lord just whispered this one into my ear. Psalm 91, verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Amen. That was a great comfort to me. No, now I have to find work. It became clear that self-employment was where I was going to go. However, the main income stream that I had, which was the job, had gone. Then the Lord gave me this word from 2 Kings 19.29. It's also cross-reference Isaiah 37.30.31. This shall be the sign for you. And the background is that Hezekiah is under siege by the, Syrians, by the Syrians, and he goes to God, and God speaks a word through Isaiah to him. But this is the word the Lord said to me. This year, you will eat what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs from that? But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. That was in 2010. We get to January 2013. Any of you who are self-employed, I know that January was a tough month. Not much happened. You know, we are looking at each other, or my wife is looking at me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, the bills are coming in. But there's nothing coming in. <laughs> and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you know you gave me that word. You said in the third year, I'm going to eat, I'm going to plant. So I, I was praying about this in the February. Well, this is what happened. Training company that I'd done some work for the following year rang me that month and said, look, uh, would you be free to go to Newcastle? So I said, let me check my diary. <laughs> Tip there, guys. <laughs> Let me check my diary. I said, yes. And oh, by the way, in the following week, could you go to uh, come to us in London? So that was great. Then in March, <laughs> a friend of mine said, look, uh, they're looking for someone to do some training. Would you go and see this company? So I went to the company, <laughs> and it was like love at first sight. You know, it was just a connection, you know. <laughs> so the next thing I know now, they filled my diary for the whole year. <laughs> God is good. So now I have to go back. I'd already got a job at the, the, the YMCA, so I have to go back to the YMCA and say, well, guys, this is how it looks. I can do 10 days for you, and I can do 10 days consultancy and moderation. That's, you know, checking quality things. They were like, oh. I said, well, my diary is full. And then the next thing, I'm, people are ringing me, and I'm saying... While I'm there, I'm, I'm getting all this work. People are ringing me for more work, and I'm having to say, I'm so sorry, but my diary's full. And it's genuine. <laughs> and in fact, I came back from holiday, and our email was down for some unknown reason. And as I'm looking through, another company asked me to do work for them, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, the only gap I've got is in July, the first three days. And for two of those companies, what's happened, I've become their preferred supplier. And you said, what do you mean by that? Well, before they offer the work to someone else, they offer it to me. So I'm in Southampton there four days or three days, and the, the owner of the company is ringing me up and saying, oh, he's, he's from uh, Bangladesh, lovely guy. He says, um, Dennis, yes? He says, are you free uh, to teach, you know, 
Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I said, Sophia, I cannot do this, but thank you. <laughs> Friends, all I'm saying is this. When the blessing of God is on you in the midst of austerity, in the midst of an economy that's lying down, God will bless you. But you need to go through the process. You need to understand that you have to hang on to what God has told you from his word. That's how it works. And as you hang on in faith, faith activates the blessing and God gives you favor with those who you work for or those that, where you want business. That's how it works. And what happens is you're going to have times when it doesn't look like it's coming. I was talking to a good friend up there saying, you know, usually I get it ahead, but now I'm just getting it each month. But all of that is to activate faith in you and belief in you that this God is able to do what he has promised. And if you look at the life of Abraham, Abraham had to go through the process. But it, we read in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, that it says, Concerning the promise of God, Abraham staggered not, but became fully persuaded that what God had promised he is able to perform. And he could do it for Abraham, he can do it for you. Someone say amen. Amen. And the blessing is counterculture. Because what I realized as I began to talk to people, people said, you're really that busy? Oh, well, oh, well, you know, you know, we're struggling to find work. Maybe you can send some work our way. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, well, I thought it was like this for most people. But no, it's the blessing of God. So what's the key? What's the key? Well, I've already told you. Trust and obey the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord as he speaks it into your heart. And seek the love, prayer, and support of the community of God's people. You don't have to do it alone. In a congregation this size, we have people with all types of challenges, whether they be family, emotional, spiritual, financial. But we're all in it together. And the blessing of God is sufficient to meet all of our needs. Tests will come through people or circumstances. T.D. Jakes wrote, What they intended to harm you, deter you, defeat you, God will use to build you up, to heal you, and to secure your success. And I want to say that particularly to people where they have been treated by people in a way that is not helpful. I, wicked people, who have sought to destroy you and destroy your reputation. Let me tell you this. What they intended to harm you and deter you and defeat you, God will use to build you up to heal you, to secure your success. God said to me all this, he said, then I'm more interested in what's happening in you than what's happening to you. And God is more interested in what's happening in you as you go through the stuff than what's happening to you. And what he wants to form in you is that faith that activates the blessing so that in the midst of austerity and difficulty and lack, you know abundance and blessing and peace. Okay, let's bring this thing home now. As we seek to obey his voice and not give way to fear, because it's fear which is the enemy here, 
and live under his blessing. These are the results. And I'm just going to whip through these and take these scriptures here. I could have gone deeper, but we ain't got enough time to do that. We haven't but you've got, you've got enough time to do that. But here we go. The Lord will set you up high above all the nations on the earth. That means the Lord will give you prominence. Yes? You will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. Wherever you go, you will add value. And let me say to you, if you're, you're a follower of Jesus and you, wherever you work, wherever you live, you add value. Don't just do the job, add value. As a consultant, I don't just look to go to the company to get my fee. I'm interested to add value to that organization. And what you find is if you add value, you will become the preferred supplier. If you add value, you will become the preferred supplier. So because the blessing is on you, you add value to the street that you live, to the organization that you work for. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of the land and the young of your livestock and the cows of the herds and the lambs of the flocks. There will be fertility, multiplication, and material prosperity. And that's how they used to, material prosperity is, you know, that then is, you know, car and sheep and, and cows and all that stuff. But fertility, one of the things we, we, we've had a real blessing in the church is praying for those people who had fertility problems. The Lord has really blessed us. I remember praying for a couple, a German couple, it was um, GLS, pray for them, I think they're going to have a baby fairly soon, etc., etc. In other words, the Lord will bless the fruit of your womb. The Lord will bless bring multiplication and material prosperity. But of course, that's a process because you need to be ready for it before he gives it to you. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. I, you will have provision. Not just enough bread to get through the week, you will have more. You will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. This is peace and joy wherever you go. When you, as a child of God, are living under the blessing of God, the peace and joy of the Lord goes with you. And you bring God's peace into the situation. And of course, if they reject it, you take it with you. Peace and joy. Now, I know there are times in the family when there's anything but peace and joy. <laughs> Especially if you have young children, yes? <laughs> you know, you just want to escape. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> we all have those days. But also, you have an authority, actually, particularly as men, as women, men and women, to, to speak God's peace and blessing when there is confusion, when there is noise, when there is disruption, you bring God's peace. Many times I've had to do it. You know, I come home, and it's not so much now because the kids are older, but when it, they were younger and, you know, you come home from a hard day at the office, you know, I'm thinking of Mark over there, you've been in the surgery all day and it's stress and you come home and, rah, 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 and you think I'm going straight out. <laughs> you know, and your good wife there, says, no, you're not, you've got to sort it out. <laughs> because that's what used to happen to me. I'm thinking, why me? You are the husband <laughs> of these children. How come they're my children? I thought they were yours. They're only mine when they're good. <laughs> but we speak God's blessing. And many times I go upstairs into the room, instead of having a row with Eileen, that doesn't help. I would just speak. I said, Lord, 
The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. At the moment, that is not the case. So I speak your righteousness, joy, and peace into this home in the name of Jesus. You go upstairs in your room and do it. Give it about 15, 20 minutes. Everything comes down. That's the authority that we have. You see, this Christianity thing is not a game. You have authority. And you can use it and you can speak God's peace and joy into a situation when there is no joy or where there is a lack of concord, of, of this discord, you can bring concord. Yeah, that's not a plane. <laughs> Those of you who are Anglicans, remember the, 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 the prayer book says that we might, have peace, we might have concord, which is peace. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. There's power and there's protection. And my testimony is this, that many of the people that are involved in my dismissal at that place where I work, within three months, they were all gone. Removed. Removed. And, you know, it was like someone had wiped a plate clean. They were gone. And if there are people, and friends, that, you know, when you work in the workplace, there's a lot of politics go on, and it's not just the most intelligent or gifted people that usually get the jobs. There are people there who will play politics with your career or infer things about you that are not true to try and undermine you. But this word says this, that your enemies, they will flee seven ways because the blessing is on you. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything that you put your hand to do. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord will bless you in the land he's giving to you. In other words, there's going to be an abundance. It's one thing just to have enough, but God's plan is that you give stuff away. When God made flowers, he didn't just make one or two. You know, when he made a shade of green, he didn't make one shade of green. He made hundreds of different shades. God is abundant in everything that he does in creation. And when he wants to bless you, he just wants to give you, well, I think I'll just give you a dribble, David, you know. I will just give you a little. No. He says, I'll bless you and make you a chief executive. <laughs> Why not? He wants to bless you. He has to prepare you for it, of course. But once you're prepared, he'll release you. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow from none. Well, you know what? It's debt free. That's why my God's debt-free. The children, people of Israel, they were debt-free. In fact, if you think about it, the Rothschilds, did you know that they were Jews? Did you know that the Rothschilds became the bankers of Europe? They were Jews. And to this day, they're, they're one of the wealthiest families in, on the face of the planet. They lent to governments, governments so they could do war. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will lead and other people will follow. Friends, when you're in your organization, it's very tempting you know, to think, particularly if you think you're the only Christian there, that you are subject to all, you are a victim of what's going to happen. The reality is this, that when you are there, God's anointing is upon you, you have wisdom and insight that other people don't have. God puts Daniel into a heathen nation and makes him prime minister for three different kings. He raises up a Joseph, takes him out from his own land, puts him in, in Egypt, and by the way, the Egyptians hated shepherds and makes him prime minister of Egypt. So what about you? 
Now, I know we need a new prime minister. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, what about you? No, pray for him. You know, pray for him. Pray for David Cameron. He needs help. You know that. But the reality is this. What about you? God puts you in that organization, puts you in that street, puts you in that company so that God can bring his wisdom and insight through you and turn that company around. Don't have an employee mentality which is, I'm here for the money. And when am I going to get my next raise? No. God has a purpose for you in that organization. And if God calls you out, then he has a plan and a purpose and he will provide for you. So then, we're almost here now. What is the purpose of God's blessing us? Because it's all about us. But actually... Verse 10 tells us this. Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The blessing of God is a testimony to the humanist, secularist world that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above that which he asks or think. And as he blesses the redeemed community of God's people, it is a testimony to the, to the world that our God's resources are not limited by political, economic, social, technical, legal, or environmental issues because the Lord is God, and when he chooses to bless his people, he will do it. So it is a testimony to the world that the Lord is God and he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords and there's no, he's not sitting on the throne there biting his nails wide about what's going to happen because he's in control. So when he blesses you, it's a testimony to the world. When you live on your street and people see that you're going about your business and you're not fearful and worried, they're wondering, hmm, what is it that's going on with you? And you know what Abraham said? Come with us and we'll do you good. Come with us and you'll do, we'll do you good. When the blessing is on us, Psalm 67, 6 and 7 puts it like this. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us. Why? That all the ends of the earth shall fear him. That's the reason why God wants to bless us. And the blessing is activated as we faithfully hold on to what God has spoken to us. As we obey the voice of the Lord as he speaks to us whispers. Or as he speaks through his word. Or as he speaks through each other. And we, by faith, begin to step. Step by step. Because what you read in Romans chapter 4 verse 20 is that he grew, he, Abraham, grew strong in faith. And we're in the process of growing strong in faith. Shall we stand? I said to the Lord, you know, Lord, how do you want us to finish this? Okay. Yeah. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Yeah. Band up, please, if we could have the band up, please. Yeah, well, we're done. Huh? Oh, we're done. Okay, fair enough. We're going to have a worship. We're standing. <laughs> Lord, we want to bless you and praise you. That, Lord, your plan is to bless us. And, Father, what we ask you as a community of God's people is that you will help us to obey your voice. 